Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Strong Christian Female Podcast. This is the second episode that we will upload to YouTube next week, but it's the first half of my interview with a wonderful woman named Janice Liggins. Now, you'll hear me say this again in the podcast, but I really wanted to highlight her book. Her book is called Journey to Your Calling. And the subtitle is The Path to Receive the Desires of Your Heart. But I don't want you to be deceived with that subtitle. We discuss it today, and I really want you to dig in because today's culture in the Christian church often twists and changes scripture to fit our very American viewpoint on a lot of things. And the truth of the matter is, she doesn't do any of that. She's an amazing woman. It was very refreshing to just sit and listen to her. If you have time, whether you're washing dishes, driving your car, getting ready for church, getting ready for work, if your day's been hectic, or if you just want to sip some coffee and spend time with someone who really knows the Lord, this is the episode to do that with. She is chocked full of not only wisdom, but practicality and honesty. And her voice is, her voice is very soothing, and she's just a joy to just learn from and listen to. Again, her name is Janice Liggins. You'll notice below in wherever you're finding this podcast, her information and uh, her website. So seek her out. Seek this book out. I I literally am standing in front of my box um, that I've opened and looked through, and I have five books. I'm keeping one for myself, and the rest I'm giving as gifts and and doing hopefully a, a book club with it as well for all of you. So order your book now. I'm telling you right now, this is going to be one of our book club books this year, and dive into it because I would love to discuss it with you uh, on YouTube and any other platforms we put that in. But for now, just sit back, listen, and learn from Miss Janice. Liggins. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us at Strong Christian Female. This is actually one of our premier video episodes. We're changing formats. If you are used to listening to us uh, via audio, we're still there as well. But you can start watching us on YouTube or telling your friends about it or maybe even sharing clips. So we're so excited to change over to this format in the coming year. Um, I have an amazing guest today. I want to tell you a little bit about Janice Liggins. We (laughs) met uh, on a phone call and I'll just be really candid. She, she and I were supposed to call and we ended up calling each other and she had been, uh, she was having car trouble at the same time we were supposed to have her call. And what struck me about Janice was not only that she was just, she had such, such a grasp of the moment but she was living in such honesty and yet thankfulness at the same time. Mm-hmm. And we had a, such a fruitful conversation, even in that small interaction where we first met. But in that moment, I, I just so many things were happening and I just felt the presence of the Holy Spirit as a, as a unifier. And so mm-hmm. she and I had just this very simple conversation and yet we're going to dive much deeper today uh, into different things she's written about and different things she's done. But uh, I, I only say that because when people are going through something frustrating, you see who they truly are. And mm-hmm. we met under those circumstances, even though it was via phone. And Janice, I just want to say it stuck out to me in so many ways. And um, we're still getting to know each other, but you earned so much respect from me in that small mm-hmm. interaction. And I know that by the end of this um, interview, so many more people will know who you are. Mm-hmm. I want to start by saying two things. Number one, you've written this book called Journey to Your Calling. Yes. 
Oh, I'm so excited about this because this is such a needed conversation in our society because it's shifted so much. And, and so many people are thinking, well, now what do I do if they lost their job or if their job has changed? Yes. They sometimes attach calling to their job. And I know you're going to clarify, but first, yes. Janice, can you introduce yourself to us? Tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your book. Sure. Well, I am first and foremost, a child of the most high God, and I am um, honored to be a child of the most high God. And it was actually, I had a business where I did government contracting oh. and I used to help companies um, get contracts out of the federal government. And I'd go into some of the federal agencies and convince the buyer that this is the company you need to hire. And that's how I made my living. Uh, but then one day, um, God had a different plan. And um, the, my whole life shifted to a totally different direction. You know, in the Bible, he told Abraham to go to this far distant place that I will show you. Well, that's what he did with me. So I went from going with uh, government contracting to the nonprofit sector, creating a nonprofit. I, in the whole arena of prisons and jails. Wow. I knew nothing about prisons or jails. I knew nothing about mass incarceration. I knew nothing about nonprofits. I had never even volunteered for a nonprofit except my church. Hmm. But that's what God had me do. And um, I gave up the business totally uh, to do the work of the nonprofit, which is all about prison prevention. Yeah. And that Going through that, that was a multi-year, um, the transition was an instant. He, I was in a, for two years, I was in a state of discernment. Everything around me, I could see something is wrong, but I had no idea what it was. But God will work with us and he, will, he wants to do a work in us Amen. so that he can then do a work through us. Mm. And so the number one um, the number one thing to make that happen for him to be able to do a work in us is we have to be able to hear him yeah. and we also have to be committed to obeying him right. so um and that's throughout the book i talk about obey and and i have a motto obey today so in the process of me working this nonprofit, and uh, one of the things we have is a reading program as a part of the uh the service we provide but one day I was in my kitchen and I was minding my own business in my little kitchen. And I heard the Lord say, write a book. Wow. And then he gave me the title to the book. Mm. And the title though went right past me because I was still stuck on write a book. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's how it sounded. And I said to him, I said, Lord, I have nothing to tell the people. So I asked you to write the book through me. Amen. And he did. He did. Ideas just started flowing. And I had to keep paper with me every day, all day, no matter where I was, because I never knew when the ideas would come. And they would just flow like water. And I was scribbling as fast as I could. I couldn't write whole sentences because if I wrote a whole sentence, I'd miss the next thing that was coming. Amen. So I was just grabbing little words and phrases and topics. And that went on for three weeks. Uh, where I was just writing and scribbling. And at the end of three weeks, it stopped. So I began to organize the scribbles into groups. 
And those groups then seem to have a sequence, like what should happen first, second, or last. So I put yeah. those groups in sequence. And then I, those, I felt led to have those groups were my chapters. And so I made them my chapters. I put them in the table of contents. You can still see the little scribbles in each group. So that meant that, that, that uh, those chapters, and they, that became my outline for the book. The table of contents became the outline for the book. So the book was outlined cover to cover before I ever wrote the first sentence. And I, had, I prayed every day. I was really busy with the nonprofit. And I said, Lord, how do I write the book? Basically, I was asking him, how do I fit it in? Um, but when I asked him, how do I write the book? He says, arise early at five. Yes. And so every day at five o'clock, I got up and I would grab my laptop and my fingers would just go. I, I wrote every day for six months. Yeah. And at least it averaged two to three hours a day. And, uh, but it's interesting he gave me the title of the book in the beginning, Journey to Your Calling, but that meant nothing to me. I had no clue what he meant by Journey to Your Calling in the beginning. Hmm. And it was not until I had finished writing the book, and then I looked back over the book, that I realized, wow, this isn't just for me. This is for everybody. Amen. And that's when I realized that even I didn't realize that I had been on a journey. Mm -hmm. well, I knew I was working in my life, but I didn't realize I had literally been on a journey. And we all are on a journey. And I think what I love about that title, even though I know the Lord gave it to you, so he did a great job, but <laughs> we don't realize that in order to find our calling, it will take a journey. It will take a journey to arrive there. We want a microwave version of mm -hmm. what God has said. Mm -hmm. Um, cause even Moses wasn't 20, you know, and he, he, this, it, and it's funny when you said he was calling you, I was like, it's like Moses, you're, but God, I, I have no ideas. I have no, you know, and Moses is like, God, let me give you my list of why I can't <laughs> be the guy. And God's like, yeah, I know your list. You're still the guy. And I love that. I, but I love the word journey because it's the truth. It isn't instant seven steps to finding what God wants you to do. Take this yeah. quiz. It's like, there's a journey involved. It's a real journey. How now arriving at where you were. So, so you were working in government contract work. Yes. God pulled you out of that. I, I, and we could spend the whole time talking about the, the, your prison prevention program, because I, you don't know this about me, but I have a very close, several close relatives that uh, have been, in, were incarcerated and did time and some of them significant time, technically nonviolent crimes, but um, crimes nonetheless. And so I have a, a, a perspective, I think that some people don't um, on, on what it takes to love people um, to, to take the time to undo so many things our society has created. That's almost like a perfect storm mm -hmm. incarceration. And we need to it, you remove so many of those elements as the church, as those who love Jesus and, uh, judgment is not, is not always in God's way. You know, God's judgment is, is different than man's, uh, judgment. Yeah. Yeah. That's another conversation we might we might have because okay. I think there's a lot of wisdom you would have there. However, that being said, 
to, to trust God enough to, to do a 180 almost in what you were doing. I know nonprofit work. It goes from secured money and income to good luck. <laughs> if <Very> God, <laughs> yeah, if God's not in it, it you will sink and it will feel very overwhelming. Yes. As you were, as he was taking you through even just that part of your life, and we'll delve into other parts too, but that part of your life, where what what did trusting God look like for you? Just taking that leap to where you knew he was in it you knew he was with you. You knew he called a lot of people don't know if it's God or not because it scares them or, yes. or they think it's their good idea and they have failed before with their good ideas. And they're like, yes. is this God, or is this me? Or is God okay with me doing my good idea? How did you, how did you feel? How did you just know this is God and I'm taking a step? Well, it wasn't my first encounter. Mm. Uh, with God and so even through the company yeah. and working with the company there were many things that he did to open doors and that I knew it was God mm. and then, so I had I had already established relationship with God and so I had already he'd already told me to do different things a lot of things big things that I had never done before and I kept thinking you know I, God if it's like if God says do it, He will lead you through it. Amen. And I had learned that with Him. And so a lot of times we hear people say trust and obey. Yeah. When it comes to God trusting, and I think it needs to be the other way around. I need. I think it needs to be obey and trust. Mm -hmm. Because obedience births trust. Yeah. Trust is earned, right? When you meet new people, trust is earned. The same thing with God. We trust God because he's the big guy in the sky, right? But do we really trust him? Yeah. You don't trust God until you've had some experiences with him. And the only way you have experiences with him is if you obey when he tells you to do the little things. Because he says you, faith, those who are faithful over a few things, he will make them rule over many. So you, he's never going to give you a big task until you've had a lot of little tasks and then medium-sized tasks. And you've successfully carried those out. Yeah. And so the little steps, the baby steps are critical because you have to, it's like you don't start school at the PhD level. Yeah. You start at kindergarten. Amen. And, and, and so the same thing. Um, so it's obedience is the number one thing. And I, even in the book, I call it obey today. Yeah. Because your obedience today is setting you up then for your success tomorrow. Yeah. God will, he wants to do a work in us so that he can then do a work through us. And obey today is, is the mantra, you know, yeah. because no matter what he says, do just do it. Don't worry about that. You don't know how to do it, or you've never done it before, or nobody else is doing it. If God says do it, he will lead you through it. Yeah. Just, obey. just do it. And I think for some of us, obedience can seem um, lesser than we deserve in the sense that when you're a mom or you're, you know, you're used to maybe being a CEO or running a company yeah, and now you yeah. become a mother and God's saying, pull back, hold your baby, spend some time. And you're like, that, yeah, that's yeah. Not big and grand and fancy. And, and that doesn't get a lot of attention, but if it's the Lord, he's 
he's calling you to change the, 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 the problem, I think obedience, uh, I wouldn't say the problem with obedience, but the problem I've had with obedience before is I've questioned it. I've Mm. been, but that's I've, or I've labeled it, you know, uh, it's not as important or it's, it, that couldn't be God because, you know, Mm. I've come so far. I feel like he's telling me to back up. Like how, Mm. why would he do that? And it's my false perception, but like you said, the more, the more we yield to God in the little things, whether it's being in the grocery store and God says, go pray for that lady. And we feel like crazy, mm-hmm. a crazy person. <laughs> and God's like, go pray for that lady. And even if she rejects you, I feel like I would love to ask you this question. When you were obeying the Lord, when maybe you said, okay, and you did it, but the outcome wasn't what you expected. Did you still feel like, but I obey God. I, I mean, I guess, I guess some of us think if we're going to obey God, there's a certain outcome that will happen because God is in it, but we forget that there's human nature often on the other side of that. Yes. Yes. And so how did you stay faithful to obeying the Lord? Even if the outcomes weren't what you wanted or what you expected. Whenever the outcome, all things work together for good. Mm-hmm. For those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So whenever the outcome isn't what we wanted or if it's bad or if it's we feel like we failed or anything like that, it's because we boo-booed. Yeah. It's 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 because we messed up. And so a good example um, is I had three different occasions where the Lord put on my heart to take a family into my home. And these were people I did not even know. I had seen them. Two of them were members of my church. Hmm. Um, and, and each of them had children. But they were about ready to get set out. They had nowhere to go. And either somebody at church connected me with them or some way. One lady I was interviewing. I was going to hire her. <laughs> and um, I ended up, all three of them came in to my home. They were all Christian. They were all, we were praising the Lord. They were thanking God for a safe place, you know, a secure place. I was thanking God for moving on my heart to open my home to them. And so I I was thanking God each time. But all three of those situations, even though I knew and the family knew that God orchestrated it, all three of them turned out ugly. Hmm. Each situation turned out ugly. And at the end of the third one, they happened like two years between, and they didn't know each other, so they couldn't have talked. But at the end of the third situation, I said, God, I am the common denominator. Those three ladies do not know each other, but I am the common denominator. Show me me show me what I did and so he told me he says take the perfecting class well that's a class at my church that teaches what your spiritual gifts are Hmm. and the spiritual gifts are all in the bible and so I knew that I had the gift of exhortation I'm an exhorter I knew I had the gift of leadership I learned that but there's a gift called the gift of mercy which Hmm. I had overlooked And I overlooked it because when I first went to this church and they had a bookstore and they had this, this was in 1993. 
and they had a series on business and economics. And I said, business in a church? And I love business, right? So I bought this tape series, tapes way back then, and I listened to it. And the pastor says, if you have the gift of mercy, don't even bother going into business. You'll give the store away. And so I thought, well, I must not have the gift of mercy because I know God called me to go into business. And um, God wouldn't have called me to go into business if I had a gift of mercy because the pastor said, if yeah. you have the gift of mercy, don't go into business. So I rationalized yeah. that I don't have the gift of mercy. So I didn't pay attention. Even though I had taken mm -hmm. this perfecting class twice before, I dismissed the gift of mercy. Well, this time after these three ladies, these three families turned out in an ugly situation. And I asked God, I said, show me me. God didn't chastise me, but mm -hmm. I was heartbroken because I felt I had disappointed God. And when he said, take the perfecting class, I went running to the class. And this time I was wide open. I wanted to hear anything and everything they said. And I have mercy dripping all off of me. Mm. And so, and that was the problem because each of the gifts, which I talk about in the book, each of the gifts work, there's a positive side and a negative side. And mm. the positive side works when the Holy Spirit is using the gift because God gave us the gifts for his benefit, his use. So when the gifts are being used by the Holy Spirit leading us, it's a positive effect. Yep. If it turns out, if we're trying to use the gift on our own, then it turns out negative. So what I was doing is I was determined that I was going to be godly and a Christian example, no matter what they did, I was going to be godly and and. Literally, they were doing crazy. I had my my kitchen remodel while one of them was here, and she cooked on my stove before I did. Hmm. And and one person invited um, and guest over without telling me, and she'd open the door, and I might have my hair in rollers or my hair, <laughs> and I would just say, you know, just let me know if you want to invite somebody. And she got upset that I wanted her to invite somebody. You know, she, why should I? You know, she says, uh, well, I won't invite anybody. And I said, well, just think about it like this. Every time she says, I don't feel like I have to announce that I'm going to have guests. And I said, well, think about it like this. Every time someone has come to see me, you knew they were coming. Mm -hmm. Even my children. You knew my children were coming before they got to the door. This is my house. Do you think I'm used to telling anybody that I'm going to have company? Yeah. And, and then she felt shame about it. But what I realized afterwards is that I was using, I was using mercy when mercy was not appropriate. Mm. And after I went to this class and realized that I do have the gift of mercy, I said, well, God, now what do I do? He says, in every situation, ask yourself, is this a situation that requires mercy? And if it's not, don't use it. And I thought, oh, okay, I can do that. So it was one of those situations, as you mentioned, that God was orchestrating, <clears throat> but it turned out not like we expected. Yeah. And but yet it was, it was my fault because I was working the gift as opposed to letting him work the gift. I use mercy when I should have put my foot down. And 
And I feel like there's two things you said there that most people overlook or refuse to acknowledge, which is you made a mistake. God didn't make a mistake. And yet it was because of your misunderstanding of a gift. Uh, The misunderstanding of God's gifts, the right application at the right time, if we're yielded to him, he will say, do this, or he will impress on you to do something, even if it's counterintuitive to what we want our response to be in that moment. But if we are saying more of a religious mindset of, you know, here's my rules, here's my little book, these are the plays I've got written down. And if this happens, I do this. It's not that, like you said, it doesn't negate that, that, that gift is of the Lord, but it is, we have to be in tune to the Holy spirit to know when to apply it and when not, because when you were applying, you're saying mercy was the wrong medicine, so to speak. Like I'm, there's a wound here. I'm trying to fix it. But instead of asking God, how do I fix it? I'm making an assumption based on what I have in my toolkit here or my medicine yeah. kit what to apply. And he's like, you just put the wrong medicine on that wound. You should have done this. Yes. I love that though, your humility. I think that what God has shown me in my life, not, not shame, not condemnation, but humility, we stay pliable when we're humble and we have to admit um, when we're wrong. And I think that that's such a, that's such a difficult thing to do. If we're the, also for the type of person that maybe was verbally abused as a kid, or we've come out of so much stuff and we feel good about where God has us. And we're confident women. And we're like, I love the Lord and I'm confident. And I do have these gifts. We can, we can think that humility mirrors, um, being crumbled and being, you know, subservient. And God's like, no, I think that there's just such a misunderstanding of humility. There's a misunderstanding of his gifts. And I love that this book, I love that you honor God so humbly by saying, God helped me write this book. And most people mean that when you say that, but you really mean it when you say it, you're like, I I didn't, I tell you, I didn't write the book. I, I, my fingers moved. It was my fingers on the keyboard, but um, I, I literally didn't have one second of writer's block. It just flowed. It just flowed. It was, I was learning as I was writing. Mm. I didn't know all this stuff. Yeah. And I was learning as I was writing. And so I have to give God the credit because he knows he wrote the book. Yeah. And so for me to do anything other than give him the credit, you know, he might tap me on the shoulder and say, what's wrong with you? <laughs> you know, so I, and, and I know I'm going to need God again. And yeah. so he, we can't, we can't fake it with God. No. God knows no. everything. So we and- cannot fake it. So I don't, I might want to impress somebody else and say, I wrote the book, but God would hear me say that. Yeah. And so I, I can't, you can't hide anything from God. So you have to be just as naked and transparent. Yeah. And I, and I love also the reality of when God is in it, it isn't a struggle. It isn't a constant struggle. Um, I'm not saying God hasn't called us to hard things. He absolutely has called us to challenge ourselves and he's pushed us out. But everything you've said about how throughout your life, God has been pushing you more and more to obey if you rely and, and trust in him, things that 
maybe you would have never thought to try when God says to do it, it, it works out in a way. Yeah. But like you said, when I tried to take back the reins and try to, you know, do his role for him, so to speak, that's when things get messy. But when mm-hmm. we just let him use us as a conduit, that's when there's just a flow and, and going yes. in that direction back. So the journey to your calling, I want you to explain what you mean when you say calling, because mm-hmm. I think that is a, a, a word that's been really confusing to people because different people mean different things. So what, when you say calling, what do you mean? So God has put every one of us on this planet mm-hmm. to carry out a specific task mm-hmm. or a specific assignment. Every, and he has equipped each person with the unique skills and abilities they need to ultimately do what it is that he has tasked them to do. Mm-hmm. So, and some people say, well, they look at purpose and they look at calling and they think it's the same thing. And it's, I, it's not. As Christians, we all have the same purpose. Our purpose is to be Christ-like, to represent Christ in the earth. We are to be the salt of the earth. We are to be light in the earth. And we are to walk in the ministry of reconciliation. We all have the ministry of reconciliation, leading others to Christ. And so that's our purpose. And our purpose is the same as Christians. Hmm. But our calling is what is that unique task that he wants you to do? And so the, for me, that calling was leaving was was the nonprofit and the nonprofit by the way is named the clarion call both of them are really huge names yeah um huge names but and i didn't name it i was participating in a leadership um, program and when i went to the first prison in my life it's called leadership maryland and um it was going through that prison a tour through the prison and I had a chance to actually go in a cell. I asked them to let me go in and then I said close the door. And when I heard the clink of that cell door close, my life changed that instant and I've never been the same. So I left, I walked away from the company. I had six employees and I walked away from the business and people said, well Janice, you should still do the company because the company can fund the nonprofit. And it could have. But the they both required full-time effort. Yeah. And I didn't want to, God didn't need my help. He needed my obedience. Yeah. And so, yes, I, I live a sacrificial life now and I don't regret it. It's the most fulfilling thing I've ever done. And, you know, Christ lived a sacrificial life. He didn't live in a mansion. He didn't have chariots and, you know, he lived a sacrificial life. And so all of my needs are met and I'm thankful for that. Mm-hmm. I'm very comfortable, but, and I'm content but I'm fulfilled in what work I'm doing because this is what he put me on this planet to do. Then the book comes after that. Um, uh, but even going back to the, the calling, he told Abraham to leave all that was familiar and go to this far distant place that he would show him. Mm-hmm. And he did the same thing to me. He told me to leave the world of, gov- of government contracting and go into this far distant land of prisons and jails and nonprofits, which I had no knowledge of. 
Amen. So I walked away from a thriving business with six employees to a world I knew nothing of. So I spent a whole year of solid 12 months from in 2011, from January to December, I researched. I sat here and I researched because how can I work in this arena that I know nothing of? Hmm. And I went from knowing nothing. So by the end of December, I thought, okay, I got it. And I went immediately to creating a PowerPoint presentation. Wow. And I created a PowerPoint presentation and I went all around this, the county in the whole metropolitan area doing speaking engagements to enlighten people because I figured I'm an average person. If I didn't know about all of this information, then these other people don't know. Yeah. And so I went from knowing nothing to a speaker, keynote speaker, uh, enlightening the community of some of these travesties. And um, that was God, you know, and he took care of me that whole year I sat, you know, and so we just have to obey, you know, it's like, we, I don't question it. If God told me to step off the edge of a cliff, honestly, yeah. I'd, no. I'd, I'd be stepping. <laughs> Because I know he's either going to catch me or I'm going to see him on the other side of glory anyway. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, so you have to, it requires that level of trust. And the only way trust comes, as we said earlier, is through obedience. The more you obey, the more we obey God, the more we realize his faithfulness to us. And that then makes it easier to obey the next time. So, and I can tell you, I didn't always want to obey God. He was, I would hear this small, quiet voice say, call this person. And I just thought it was me thinking. Yeah. Yep. I didn't know it was, I just thought it was my thought. Call this person, call that person. Well, I didn't want to call the person. And so I just thought, hmm, I don't have to call that person. Hmm, I don't have to call. And I, that's how I would respond. Hmm, I don't have to do this. I don't have to do that. Then one day, it just dawned on me, Janice, shut up. That's not God, because God does not talk like that. God doesn't say, hmm, I don't have to do this. Hmm, I don't have to do that. Yeah. That's not God. And when I realized that, I made up my mind that I was, the next time I heard that voice, I was going to make myself do whatever it said. Yeah. And I heard it again, call this person. And sure enough, I did not want to call the person. But I made myself call. And at the end of the call, I flopped back in my chair. And it's like, God, you are so awesome. Yeah. Because the whole purpose for the call is that person had been thinking of me and wanted to bless me. So the whole purpose of the call was to receive a blessing from that person. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, oh, okay. So that's how it works. Yeah. And so... And so from then on, I just, every time I would hear that voice, I would obey. And so we have to make sure that we recognize God's voice. And so even in the book, I say the Lord's voice is always soft, gentle, leading, and encouraging. Amen. The adversary is loud, bold, enticing, and discouraging. Mm -hmm. And not only that, the Lord always speaks to us in our heart. The, the adversary speaks to us in our mind. He, he tries to influence and persuade us through our mind. The adversary never talks to us in our heart, yeah. always in our mind. So, but obeying is what birthed that trust. That, that 
lets us know that we can confidently believe and, and trust God to do whatever he says. If he tells us to do something, he's got our back. He's our, the Bible says he's our rear, rear ward, R-E hyphen W-A-R-D, rear ward. He's got our back. And so if there's a, there's a, um, the whole armor of God is in chapter five of the book. And it's in chapter five of the book where I talk about the real ward. He's our real ward. He's got our back. Somewhere, it's somewhere within that arm of prayer. It's several pages. Um, but we, that's another thing we have to do. The Bible talks about fighting and battle and war all the time. Because we are in spiritual battles. We have to, the devil is always trying to distract us from what God wants. And we are, the battle is for our mind. Absolutely. And, yeah. And so we have to constantly keep our mind on the Lord. We have to trust him and we have to obey what he says. And we have to always be armored with the armor of God, because that is the way that we are able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That's, you know, having on that whole armor of God, he's given us what we need. Yeah. Prayer is a weapon of our warfare and the whole armor of God is a weapon. We have, if we, if we had soldiers over in, and and Afghanistan somewhere, and they just went on to the battlefield with their skivvies on. They're going to get hurt. Yeah, soldiers have on they have on boots, they have on um, bulletproof vests, they have on helmets, and they have their weapons. We have to have our weapons, the weapons of our warfare, the whole armor of God, if we're going to fight this battle. And we are in a battle. And, and that's what I think so many of us are not aware of. If Satan can get to our minds, he can redefine things in scripture to mean things they never meant to mean. He can, exactly. that's why I said, please define calling because, and you did such a lovely job. People have been deceived so that they can literally read the word of God through the lens that the enemy has told them is true. Yes. And they can pervert scripture to fill a desire of their heart, not God's will and justify it because of all the changing nuances of the scripture. And they're, you know, we're in 2022 and that's what this word means. So, it, and they apply that meaning. And even, even if you're not a scholar, the Holy spirit is, and he can lay impress on you our own misunderstanding. Yes. And the, and, and our mind is that helmet of, is so important to guard our minds. And, and for those people that are in a, maybe abusive relationships or that even that grew up in a, abusive homes or anybody who just really took them out with words, if those continue to echo in your mind, we see ourselves through that lens too. And God's, God's wanting us to, it's funny because I used to use this example. I feel like God corrected me a, a few weeks ago. I was saying, we need to put on the lens that God wants on our eyes and take off the lens that we have. And God said, wait a second, I don't put lenses on your eyes. I've mm -hmm. given you 2020 vision. Wow. You keep putting on different lenses. Wow. And it was a slight correction to what I was saying. Cause I was just using it metaphor, but I was yeah. like, oh, God even corrected my metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give my children broken eyes. Ooh, beautiful. Dude, you are the world or the enemy or our own selfishness wow. putting on something to distort it. And I watch my boys on occasion will um, be with a friend or whatever. We don't own them, but those virtual reality glasses. 
Yeah. Satan has created this false reality that feels so real because we're like in it, you know, lies from the media, lies from all sides of the political spectrum, lies from yeah. this, lies from that. And I'm like, wait, God, I don't want that. How do we cut through that? And and God, you notice God doesn't say, put on your goggles, put mm. on your glasses. He's yeah. given it. We're actually supposed to take those off and say, I want to see the world you see. And God, God, I love when God was like, I didn't give my children broken eyes. Wow. And I was like, oh, wow. That is, that's, that's something I could simmer on for a long time. But going back to the armor, I think we've taken for granted, um, someone was explaining that word, that sword, true, absolutely the word of God and the Bible is something we need to delve deep into daily, but that didn't exist when he said that. So people forget that the word from the Lord in the moment through the Holy Spirit is also quickening us. Yes. And we're afraid of that. I told someone, I'm like, why are we? But I think it comes down to either maybe we've made the mistake that you and I have made, which is, oh, that's the Lord and it's us. Or we just don't trust, like, is that the Lord? I don't know. Mm. Usually when God corrects me and it goes against my flesh, I'm like, well, that's the Lord because I don't (laughs) want to think that. (laughs) He's corrected me about how I've perceived certain things and I knew it was him. And I told him I was not happy about it, but I was like, you're right. Obviously I'm going to obey. I think there's so many things I want to delve into Janice, mm-hmm. but I, I, to, I, I, I am keeping to my promise and staying focused. I want to know, you already talked about why you wrote the book and you've already talked about, um, just this journey, but along, along the parallel of the idea of a journey, you, you, you talk about, uh, in different things that that you've written or posted um, spiritual maturity. Yes. I think maturity is something in our culture that is not, uh, elevated enough. You know, Mm. the Bible elevates maturity. It elevates it as wisdom of the ages. It elevates it in a place of honor and respect but maturity and age do not often go hand in hand anymore. I know very mature, younger people. Yes. yes. And I know very immature 60. Yes. Like yes. it's just a strange. So I would love for you to talk about just what spiritual maturity looks like. And, and, and then I, I want to ask you a question about how you would guide people to even to start, start that direction, because there's so many uh, distractions right now. There's so many. And one of the things um, that helped me was, I give an example, the mm-hmm. spiritual maturity just means we start off as babes in Christ. Amen. And just as in life, if, let's look at the elementary, or let's look at the school system. Yeah. When kids start off in school, they start off in pre-K yeah. and then kindergarten and then, you know, sixth grades in elementary school and middle and so forth, all the way up to PhD level. Mm-hmm. Well, there are as many different levels of spiritual maturity mm-hmm. as there, there are probably a lot more levels of spiritual maturity than they are if you go from pre-K all the way to PhD. Mm-hmm. We grow in maturity. And the way we grow in maturity is going back to that obedience. 
-hmm. and obeying God. And I can, um, when we, if as we go through and obey God, he will open up more windows of opportunity. He will allow us to see more and do more. Spiritual maturity is basically allowing God mm. to operate in us and through us, able to contain ourselves, our, our own persons, such that we can allow the spirit to work in us and through us. That happens, that's a process. Yeah. It's a progression. It's, it is not an overnight thing. Uh, and because we are spirit and we live in a body. Amen. We are not our body. Mm-hmm. We are spirit. But because we're in this natural realm, we have a physical body. And our body has a mind of its own. Our body wants what it wants. And it wants to do what it wants to do when it wants it. And we are never able to allow our body to run the show. A lot of people, their body is running the show. Their will, or their spirit rather, is just going along for the ride for whatever the body wants. And so spiritual, one of the first steps in spiritual maturity is recognizing that we are spirit. And that is where we will end it for today. Recognizing that we are spirits. As you go out throughout your day, remember you are a spirit who is in a body, but your spirit and your soul and your relationship with Jesus rule and reign over that body. For me, it may be the choices in how much I choose to eat today. I'm not hungry, but I like food. My body cries out for something I don't need. And, and that sounds so simple, but for any of us that can struggle with that, it's the truth. I don't always want to exercise, to do the things that, yes, I need to keep my body healthy. We don't want to sacrifice our body in a, in a bad way and make it unhealthy. But our body comes under the will of what we tell it through our relationship with Jesus Christ, which is to be healthy, to make healthy choices. Maybe you lust for something else other than food. Maybe you know people who do. Pray that they become more centered on Jesus Christ. They meditate on his word. They develop, they develop a personal relationship with him and that their body come under subjection of what he has told them to do. So ladies, let's pray and then jump into the second one. If it's already uploaded when you get this, go right to it. Or maybe tomorrow while you're exercising or walking or Again, washing dishes and just needing some alone time, but you don't really have time to just sit. Janice is such a refreshing voice to listen to. A sweet, calming, definitive voice of honesty and wisdom. So so savor it because we're missing our mentors right now in this society. And sh- this woman is a, is a mentor to all of us, her own peer group as well as those that are younger and growing still in Christ and in maturity. God, we thank you for for Janice's ministry. We thank you for her writing this book in obedience to you. We thank you for her honest words about herself and her humility to share those stories so that we can glean understanding of you through them. Father, as we go throughout our day, we ask that we remember that you command what we do through your word and that we tell our body to line up 
with what the word is is saying uh, to the best of our ability and then beyond that lord we know you have to take our hand but jesus we leave it at the foot of the cross we leave it with you today we don't carry things around we shouldn't your burden is light because you've taken our burden from us by dying on the cross and by earning the right in our life to have a relationship with us god we pray for those in our lives that don't yet know you or have that know you and have walked away Father, you know who they are. You miss them and you love them dearly. We pray for them today that you not only have shown yourself to them, but that they choose to stop and see you coming for them. God, we ask that they their hearts are softened and God, that they come back to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Ladies, have a great week.